welcome to Top Women in Grocery. I am Lynn Petrak, Senior Editor at Progressive Grocer Magazine, and uh, we are really excited today to talk to Judy Klutz. Uh, she is one of our third guests on this uh, this podcast. So um, this has been a series of, of podcasts and video recordings um, over the past few months, and we thank you uh, for tuning into it. A little bit about Judy. Um, She provides clients with 35 years of experience developing strategic partnerships to create differentiated holistic platforms to drive quantifiable results. Um, She serves four functions across sales, marketing, communications, and industry affairs at the world's largest CPG, Procter & Gamble, and that provided her with a unique perspective of the industry. And she's best known for taking on work with no defined path and creating new capabilities. Most recently, she led the North American in North America Industry Affairs team with responsibility for U.S. trade associations, trade media, industry, and sales executive communication. She developed the first ever sales reputation plan to include integrated print, online events, and conferences. And she revamped the U.S. trade media, accelerating P&G's share of voice and reputation to the number one positions. She's held multiple industry committee and chair seats in CPG trade associations over the years, including FMI, CBA, and also served as P&G's communication lead for the national um, for the network of executive women. And she's received multiple awards, including Top Women in Grocery Trailblazer Award. And we are really excited to have Judy with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. You know, one of the things that I think I was struck by in one of your earlier interviews, Judy, is that, you know, this industry was kind of in your blood with your family. So tell us a little bit. I mean, was this always just going to be fate for you? I, I kind of think it was, Lynn. I, you know, <laughs> I um, I grew up in the grocery business. My mm-hmm. grandfather um, emigrated mm-hmm. from Poland and he opened up a little, little grocery store in Far Rockaway, New York. And as a child, I um, was able to go into the store and there was just, you know, when I think back on it, there was this energy and connection with people. Um, I would talk to his customers and I would learn about them. And at the end of the day, I'll steal some words from, you know, our Procter, my Procter and Gamble days, but, you know, he truly was making lives better for those Mm. whom he was serving. And while I'm not sure I knew that that's where I was going to head as a young child, um, it definitely came to be in future years as far as my ability and want and need to connect with individuals and make sure that I was in some way improving their lives. And that is, do you think that kind of explains the passion people have for this industry? You know, my great grandparents owned a store and had a meat market. I've always, I just kind of always been interested in it. And then when you have an interest in in family background and it just kind of innate, but there's, there's a passion that a lot of people have for this on the CPG side and the retail side. I, I think that's definitely true. I, you know, it's hard to describe to someone who's not part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I think folks who actually have not only experienced it in their younger days, but then actually get to see the output of what brands do for consumers is mm-hmm. a- absolutely mission critical. And when you see that come to life, you want to do more and you want to continue 
continue to improve the lives of those that you serve. When I started with PNG, ironically, I actually started in our professional business on the mm-hmm. nursing home side of the business oh, okay. and sold um, adult diapers. And so mm-hmm. far away from the traditional grocery side of the business, but very yeah. much inherent in what we're talking about here, which is mm-hmm. improving the lives of others. And that is what CPG is all about mm-hmm. uh, at every level, whether you're on the grocery side or the healthcare side, mm-hmm. it's those things come together to touch those individuals' lives and improve their life. Absolutely. And P&G certainly has a, a portfolio of, of brands that have long been able to do that and engendered a lot of, a lot of loyalty over the years. Now, we've talked about you being a trailblazer. You won one of our trailblazers awards for top women in grocery. But um, did you have, um, as you blaze those trails, what kind of challenges did you have early on in your career, maybe midpoints of your career? You know, talk a little bit about challenges and how you kind of overcame some of those, Judy. I, I was, when I reflect back on, on those early days, uh, all I can think about was wearing the starched white shirt with the bow, with the bow? and the suit yeah. that came down, <laughs> yes, the bow, you know, and the, the, the silk bow that you got to tie, um, yep. and the long blazers and the long skirts and yep. looking pumps. like a man. Yeah. <laughs> Just looking like a man. And mm-hmm. that to me was one of the most confining, um, mm-hmm. and I will talk about this in a minute, but also the most defining part of being part of a major, not only a major corporation, but a major mm-hmm. part of CPG in the early days. I'm a high creative. Um, you heard that in the things that you read and talk about yes. blazing trails you very much sat in a box um, in the early days. And mm-hmm. in sitting in that box, creativity and being able to self-express as, as an individual, as a woman, mm-hmm. uh, was very, 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 very difficult. Thankfully, PNG saw a lot of that in the early to mid 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they actually expressed it directly, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was obviously a young employee at the time, so I didn't see the things that might have been happening at the senior sure. executive level as I did later in my career. But one thing that was very clear to me in those early days was the fact that individuals were valued for who they were. Mm-hmm. And I think at the core of any type of journey and any type of diversity, if you value that person, Mm -hmm. you can then in turn support them, grow them, and ultimately Mm -hmm. help them lead. And those are the things that I felt and saw at Procter & Gamble. Was it easy? No. Did you have to fight numerous times to share who you were, whether that was from a standpoint of, you know, being gender female, Mm -hmm. um, having the ability to say, I'm going to come back from maternity leave 
Mm -hmm. having the ability to have flexibility. When I came back from maternity leave, Mm -hmm. having supporters who were there who ensured that that happened at higher levels was absolutely mission critical. And at the end of the day, Lynn, I, I would say this, diversity and inclusion starts at the highest levels in any organization. And when senior leaders and I think in the case of P&G, CEOs commit to that diversity of gender and in total inclusion Mm -hmm. and do it from a business standpoint. Let's just be very clear about that. This isn't a situation where, you know, it was a nice to have. It was a have to have Mm -hmm. and lead that work overall. Then everyone wins. And I very clearly saw that over the years. And I honestly saw it more from the outside when I would talk to peers across the industry and individuals who would share some very frustrating, um, honestly, some scary stories. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't experiencing some of those things because P&G was mm-hmm. leading in that space. Well, and that's, you know, we talk so much about culture today and we didn't necessarily talk about that, you know, 20, 25 years ago, but it sounds like that culture was in place. And did you have mentors for you, Judy, as well? Um, that kind of uh, absolutely. And and I just have to say that the women who were the true trailblazers, Lynn, Mm -hmm. of this industry were, I I honestly don't even know how they did it. Uh, they were the ones who, uh, took, I think a lot of the heat who mm-hmm. had the monkeys on their back, who in turn didn't have the ability to maybe speak as freely as I did. Mm-hmm. All the things that they did were the reasons that I was able to take off that silk bow, take off that starched white shirt. Right have that level of creativity and bring that to life. Folks like Barb Hartman, Beverly Mm -hmm. Grant, Maria Edelson, those individuals, and then collectively as a group, they were the ones who actually trailblazed and started Network of Executive Women with a number Mm -hmm. of other folks within the industry. But at the end of the day, they were the ones who took a lot of the heavy hits so that Mm -hmm. we could be who we were, who we are, and who we can then support down the road. Well, and looking now, and and I'm sure you've mentored your own, you know, wide swath of of young women in the industry today. How do you feel maybe some women, maybe the Gen Z women coming in, do they have an appreciation, you think, of, you know, just how difficult these things were to navigate? Um, And how important is it maybe to to carry that on to let them know that it wasn't always this way? First of all, for me, one of the things that I... I just adore and always had the privilege of doing a PNG and now doing my own consultancy is mentoring. Mm-hmm. You know, there is nothing more important than teaching. Yeah. Um, and when you teach, you expand individuals' horizons, you mm-hmm. bring them into a space that might be uncomfortable, you guide them through that space, you help them grow and build, and in turn, you know, in the simplest of business terms, you know, create some type of return on that mm-hmm. investment. Uh, 
pulling and turning those individuals and asking them to commit to that is is mm-hmm. mission critical, whether that's in CPG or across any industry. Sure. When I start with mentoring, I talk about those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I am wholly transparent on where I came from, the, the individuals and the groups that help build this space mm-hmm. for where they have an honor, in my opinion, to be versus, mm-hmm. you know, just a, a, having their quote, but in the seat, um, there is an obligation that goes with that. And in that obligation, they need to ensure that they are committing. And I, when I mentor women and men, I mm-hmm. say the same thing. You, if we're going to work together on this, you have to commit that you are going to pull and turn the organizations and your peers for the future. Mm-hmm. Without that, what's the reason for being, you know, within business and honestly, personally, you're, you have so much to give. And I I feel this way in being blessed and, you know, three and a half decades in this space. Why wouldn't I want to give that back to an industry that served me and allowed me to, to grow and to ultimately lead in that space? And that one-on-one is so important. We'll talk a little bit later about technology and just the amazing things that are going on there. But, you know, it can't replace those those learnings that someone gets from a human, from a woman that's been there, you know, in this industry for, for 35 years. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things, obviously, during the pandemic was that you weren't able to, you know, put your hand on someone else's hand and be able to touch them <laughs> right. and be able to see them, you know, in the true sense, really deep into their eyes. But we have to be able to flex and learn. And, you know, one of the things I always tell folks is, you know, six, you know, the definition of success is your ability to change. So you've got to be agile. You've got to be able to turn to certain places and make sure that you are part of that um, and then go from there. So, you know, it's all good, right? Mm-hmm. No, it, it really is. I think we're, in, we're in a good place. And you can see that by the top women in grocery entries that we get every year. It gets harder and harder, and harder for us to pick them, uh, which is why we have more of them. You know, so it's, it's great. It's been great to see that, you know, on our end, too. We talk about um, mentorship and working together and collaboration also extends to collaboration with, with CPGs and, and retailers. So how has that kind of evolved in your time too, Judy, you know, for the better? You know, I, this is, um, I think, one of the most interesting parts of CPG because, mm-hmm. I, you know, when I started, everything was highly transactional. You know, we're, we're going to sell you X. You're going to give us Y space. We're going to deliver, you know, all those things together, potentially. Okay. Mm -hmm. But really what happened is that you were told from manufacturers to retailers, you know, how things were going to happen. And Mm -hmm. retailers typically, especially with a Procter & Gamble, took them, but felt like they were held hostage, I think, a bit in what was happening. It was amazing to see, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s and into 2000, into the early 2000s, how um, retailers actually took that foothold and then brought that forward and said, you know, 
we're not going to be in that situation. You know, we're going to work together. And then mm-hmm. for manufacturers to be able to say the same, you know, so mm-hmm. that was the genesis of joint business planning, bringing collaboration to its true form, to like mm-hmm. holding each other accountable, you know, through measurements. And mm-hmm. when you see those things, that's how you know you're in for the long haul. You know, transactions get you a one and done, you know, collaboration and working together gets you to the, the journey and Mm -hmm. then the ebbs and flows within that journey and improving and ensuring that you're going to bring that to life later on. With that though, I have to say that the work that I love the most and goes back to your, you know, a bit of the trailblazer and bringing Mm -hmm. that to life was uh, work that I actually developed and created for P&G in the space of bringing together nonprofits and retailers and manufacturers. And we did that through very much, I'd say the art versus the science and Mm -hmm. um, ensuring that we were doing a lot of active listening, ensuring that what a retailer was going to get out of that, that their wants and needs were heard and articulated to the manufacturer, to the nonprofit. And when you do that, it's absolutely magical. And when you have a situation where you have a military organization or a senior organization, mm-hmm. um, they and they can actually get their message out to their shoppers through mm-hmm. the amplification and the strength of a retailer and a manufacturer. And go back to what I said from the very beginning, Lynn, doing good for and improving the lives of those individuals who you're serving, it is not only differentiating, obviously, but it winds up really getting back to that purpose-driven mindset that I think everyone within the CPG industry feels and wants to Mm -hmm. be a part of. Well, and that extends to your, you know, your extensive involvement with with trade associations and trade groups, because that's a whole nother bridge and a whole nother path on collaboration. So, you know, how does that play into it as well, Judy? It plays into it greatly because at the end of the day, I think one of the things that folks don't truly get or understand within the context of CPG, and it gets back Mm -hmm. to those comments about being transactional, is that if you are not holistically looking at your entire set of influences and activators and amplifiers, you're not winning. So by being part of trade association, by leveraging trade media, by leveraging retailers, by then ultimately driving your message to your shopper, you are going to increase your reputation. So Mm -hmm. if you can figure out that way to be part of a bigger story within the trade, be part of hearing that story amplified through Mm -hmm. trade media, be part of those events, you are then influencing, and then ultimately, if you're doing it right, leading Mm -hmm. for the industry. And that is critical. Um, As you know, from a trade standpoint, there's a lot of noise within the system. And when you can get some of that noise out and actually get your message to be heard, Mm -hmm. you win. And they're simple messages. You know, I think folks want to make 
communications and messaging complex. It's not. It's saying mm-hmm. those same things and articulating them in a simple format again and again and again. And then that becomes the message, the mantra, ultimately what drives reputation. And that resonates with, with consumers for sure, you know, which is the ultimate Absolutely. goal for, for all of us really to, to connect with them. And we're all connecting with each other. And there's a lot of value to be tapped into, I think, a lot of more potential. Um, Absolutely. Talking about. Um, and now we look at all these different channels we're in. You know, we're in so many different channels and technology is affecting us in so many ways. So how do we take all these lessons? And they can be taken and, and brought into these into the omnichannel and into all these different platforms right? Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, if you're not doing those things, then again, you're not leading. So you've Mm -hmm. got to be able to ensure through your organization that you're getting that commitment from leadership at the top. And Mm -hmm. when you do that, those executives are the ones who can actually create and position that messaging across multiple channels of business Mm -hmm. um, and then absolutely amplify it. So it's, you know, no shopper is in a singular mindset. You know, if the pandemic's taught you one thing, that is for sure, right? You know, you can't, you've had supply chain issues, you can't get things. So you've got to think in this omni way. And when you do Mm -hmm. that, you will be successful overall. And we talk about a lot of changes and certainly the early 20s are certainly marked with them. But we've had, you know, with the focus on diversity, inclusion, different flexible work schedules, remote schedules, the way people are shopping across the omnichannel approaches to work, um, the amplification of technology. How have that affected sales and marketing functions at companies like P&G? There's a lot of a lot going on. You know, is there a prioritization that takes place or, you know, how does that how does that impact um, some of the some of the things that you recommend and that you're talking with people about? Yeah, I don't have the all the inside ball on that since, you know, my retirement and changeover to my consulting mm-hmm. at the moment. But I do, um, like any good P&G alum, speak with a lot of my former colleagues, and mm-hmm. I'm very, very well connected to uh, them as well as to the work that's going on at P&G. Mm-hmm. P&G, luckily, I think, as we talked earlier, has done a lot of those things for a lot of years. So mm-hmm. from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, from an ESG standpoint, all those things were in play for multiple decades. Now, did this period of time over the past two plus years help amplify and help expedite um, mm-hmm. and help create transparency within mm-hmm. these spaces to set a company like P&G up better yes wholeheartedly but i think because of the lessons that they learned early on mm-hmm. they're more agile more diverse and more transparent in bringing this forward i also think where there were the mandates that were in play mm-hmm. this early 2020s forced the the hand to look at things differently, um, sure. ensured that folks were in a situation where they were 
allowed to be more transparent, allowed to have more flexibility, but mm-hmm. understanding that at the end of the day, this is a business and mm-hmm. there are remits to a business and you have to deliver. You know, back in the day, Lynn, I used to say to my folks, I don't care if you work at two o'clock in the morning or mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock in the morning, if you have a client call at two o'clock in the morning, then you need to be there. Okay. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, I have enough trust in you. Um, we have enough of a transparent relationship to bring that forward into life. And, and transparency and expectations are, you know, kind of mirror images, right? At this point, consumers have certain expectations maybe that they didn't have before, or maybe they didn't express before, but transparency and expectations sure, sure go hand in hand. And back to your comment about the Omnichannel, there's no curtain to hide behind. So the second that something happens, you know, in um, good or bad, you know, with in a space that you're trying to deliver something, you've got to be ready. So, you know, back to, you know, communication and ensuring that you have those things in play, that is mission critical. And I think, you know, I can share this part from my days at P&G in the early days in communications where things, I think, were much more compact in, you know, the order of which you did them um, as far as whether that was an amplification or dealing with a crisis. But... Mm-hmm. Now that agility and that expectation to move faster um, and cleaner in your messaging, I see playing out in every part of a PNG and their competitors too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a situation where you know that's an ownable equity per se. I think this is something that folks are definitely seeing and realizing we have mm-hmm. to deliver what the consumer and the shopper want to hear and not hide behind anything. That's a great point. And, and wherever they're at, you have to be at. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. Whether that's, you know, kind of, you know, from a mindset standpoint or from where they're physically at and where they're, where they're connecting with you, wherever they might be. Absolutely. One of the things um, before we go, I'd like to, to talk to you a little bit about what's some advice that you'd give a young woman entering the field right now, recognizing all the changes that have impacted your career over the years and, and um, heeding the lessons that you've learned. So if you had to give some advice to someone that maybe is looking at an internship or a first, you know, first couple of years in their career, what would you say, Judy? There would be three things I would talk about. Be open to any and all opportunities is the first. Mm-hmm. Don't think that you know what's out there because you don't, I, you know, I, again, if we go back to the pandemic and where we were, no one thought that there would be certain jobs or skills that you would need to have, you know, even two plus years ago. So that's the first thing. The second, and I talk about this all the time, is take on roles that build your skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know if that business is going to be there tomorrow or if you're going to get deeper into a business. But what right. you do know is if you have that skill set, that you will that will help you long term mm-hmm. and that will help you build your career, build yourself as an individual mm-hmm. and excel. Mm-hmm. And the last part is something we already talked about, but I think is absolutely critically important. And I tell this to everyone um, is to commit to mentor- mentorship. 
And by committing to mentorship, you are then giving back, but you're Mm -hmm. also pulling forward and turning those individuals who then create the next generation of work. So those are the three things that to me are the most important. Uh, They're the things that I focused on in my career. Mm -hmm. Those were the things where I got might not have been as succinct, but then Mm -hmm. when I look back, I say these were the big three that got me to the point where I was and am today and Mm -hmm. gave me not only a fulfilling professional career, but also leveraging those things personally. Well, you've done it tremendously. um, That's for sure. And and you can rattle off the names of of your mentors. And and I'm sure there are people out there that could just, you know, cite your name uh, pretty quickly uh, as one of theirs. So thank you so much for being here today, Judy. We appreciate it. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. And it was a pleasure. And if I can just put in a shout out for Top Women in Grocery and the work that you guys do. Um, I was part of one of the series of very, very early Top Women in Grocery events. And what you've done in less than five, six years is phenomenal. Uh, we talk about reputation, we talk about leadership, but at the end of the day, you guys actualized it and continue to actualize it in amplifying and finding those leaders and giving them the opportunity to be recognized as well as the voice to be able to lead. And when we continue to do those things as an industry, we are unstoppable. So I No, I don't even have to say hope. I know that this work will continue. I know that Progressive Grocer will continue to lead it. And I'm forever grateful to be a part of it and honored to get to see it come to life every single year. And I know that will continue for the future. Well, thank you. Those are such such nice words, and we, we really appreciate it. It's humbling for us um, and just mind-blowing in many ways when we read the entries and, and just realize uh, just how much work is being done, how many new paths are being created. And it's really hard sometimes for us to distill it down into 150 words in a publication. It is humbling for us to see it, and, and it's great to be able to give a, a voice and, and a shout-out uh, to the people that make, to the women that make this industry work every day. It's going to be awesome. For our audience, if you want more information on the Top Women in Grocery podcast, you can visit progressivegrocer.com slash podcasts. And you can also subscribe to the series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Um, and that, tune in next time. We're going to be doing these at least once a month, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, if you have any idea for a Twig podcast topic, we really want to hear from you. So you can email me at lptrack at ensembleiq.com or email Gina Acosta, our intrepid leader at gacosta at ensembleiq.com. Thank you.